Hey Lifehouse, my name is Brock, I'm part of the team here. We are currently going through our new series, Light and Love, where we look into the scriptures of John. We're so glad you're joining us. We hope you enjoy the message from Pastor Josh and the team. How are we doing this morning, Lifehouse? We feeling good? Good. Is that rain? No, it's the speakers. I often think that once a week. Um, Well, yes, we are in part three of the Light and Love series. And I just think this term... Term this month has just been absolutely amazing. Like we started off with Father's Day, and Pastor Mark brought an incredible word, um, and then Sunday Fun Day last week. You know, with Pastor Josh um, and a whole bunch of animals out the back. Uh, it was just—it's been really good. Um, and there's been a big focus, of course, on John and the writings of John, which is what this Light and Love series are all about. And obviously, because of the name, uh, there is a lot of mention of light and love all throughout the the different books that John writes. Um, But this morning, I I felt to talk a bit about fear, a bit about doubt, (laughs) um, and a little bit about belief. So it doesn't really sound like it matches light and love, but we'll we'll see when we we get going how it does. Um, This morning, I want to speak on John chapter 20, which is the second to last book um, I keep messing up my words. Sorry, everybody. Um, second to last chapter in the book of John. Um, but before we get into it, I just want to pray. So let's just join in prayer together. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are here with us in our midst, that the King of Kings and that the Lord of Lords, that our Saviour, our friend and our Father is here with us, Lord. And I thank you that you have drawn each and every one of us here this morning. God, for a purpose and for a reason, and I believe that that reason, Lord, is to hear from you, to experience you maybe in a new way or for the first time this morning. So we just say, will you have your way? Will you speak to us? Will you encourage us as we're talking about some of these topics like fear and doubt, Lord? We we just thank you that, um, that you are here and you're with us and moving in our midst. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, John chapter 20 is a very exciting chapter. It's literally the chapter that our whole faith is built upon because it is the chapter where we read that Jesus Christ, the Son of God in human flesh, didn't just die, but he rose again. It's where we hear about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And basically, it starts off with... um, Mary running, Mary Magdalene running to the tomb early on this Sunday morning, this resurrection morning. She comes to the tomb and um, she sees that the stone is rolled away and she's like, oh my goodness, something's going on here. I better get Peter and John here. And so she, she runs back to Peter and John and she says, guys, you know, something's happening. You need, to, you need to come and see this. And John, who is, of course, the writer of this book, always makes note to call himself the one whom Jesus loves. But then he also makes note here to say that as Peter and, and him were running, that he outran Peter and he got to the tomb first. Right? He just, he wanted everyone to know, okay, I'm the most loved and I'm the fastest, <laughs> in other words. Um, and so they get to the tomb and the guys walk in and they see that these, these things that were wrapped around Jesus were just laying there in the tomb and they're like, oh my goodness. Um, and, and again, John makes sure everyone knows, I believe straight away that Jesus rose from the dead, just take note of that. She actually stays there and he ends up 
having a conversation with Jesus, the risen Jesus, after she realizes that he wasn't the gardener. Um, And she's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. She stayed around, had a conversation with Jesus. And so then she runs back and she this time tells all the disciples, it's true. Jesus is alive. He's risen. Come on, somebody. And that's where we pick it up here in verse 19. On the evening of that first day, this has all happened on, the first, on that same day. It's the Sunday. This is now Sunday night. It all happened Sunday morning where they ran in and saw the tomb and all of that stuff. So on the evening of that day, when the disciples were together, with the door locked, doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his sight. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Right? So much going on here. But what I want to point out is actually what John says in that first verse, verse 19 where he actually says that the disciples were afraid. Did you pick up on that? They had the doors locked because they feared the Jewish leaders. And honestly, probably for good reason, right? Like these guys had just been the one to get Jesus brutally murdered. Uh, And so you can imagine that they would be a little bit scared of them. They might be thinking, what are they going to do to me? Are they coming after me? And maybe they were. Maybe they did want to come in and get the rest of the guys. These guys were the 11 disciples that followed Jesus around. They knew Jesus the best. They were with him night and day, and, um, and they were really close to him. So that's kind of why they were fearing for their lives. That's why um, the doors were locked. But can you imagine the chatter in that room that night with these guys in there? You know, they were probably talking about, you know, John probably would have popped up and said, hey, you know, the one who Jesus really loves, uh, Jesus is alive. You know, I saw the empty tomb. And then the other, you know, Peter would be like, yeah, 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 you know, I saw it too. And then the others might be like, yeah, but like we haven't seen him, you know. Is, is this really true? And then the other half of the conversation would have been maybe them fearing, like talking about the blood-soaked cross, saying what's going to happen to me and my family? Like how are we going to? keep ourselves safe here. And then this is the cue where Jesus walks in. Now, he doesn't use the door because John makes note that the door was locked. He somehow appears in the room. Did he walk through a wall? I guess that's kind of what we assume, that Jesus just managed to walk through a wall and arrive in the midst of this room filled with big feelings, filled with excitement, but also filled with fear. And he said to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And I want this to be an encouragement this morning that even through walls of fear, Jesus Christ can appear. There is no amount of fearing that can stop Jesus from appearing. I want to ask you this morning, what is it that you're fearing? Is there something that you're fearing? So for the past couple of weeks, Pastor Mark and I have been going through with one of our uh, amazing young adults, Freedom in Christ, which is this, this great kind of, what do you call it, program, booklet, I don't know, 
moment encounter with Jesus. Um, anyway, it's amazing. And um, one of the, the subjects is talking about fear. And um, of course, you know, it was, it was great for this, um, this young person, but I actually found that God was speaking to me as well in that moment. Uh, some may know I've had a bit of, bit of a big issue with my ankles. Um, they just seem to roll all over the place. Um, I shared a story once about how I jumped off something probably this high and my ankle went and um, I was, you know, walking around on crutches and I still kind of hurts today. Like there's this other time when I was um, out for a run and I rolled my ankle and I ended up passing out all over the the pavement there and I was woke up and I think I'd had a seizure and stuff and so you know I hobbled back home and it was just it just happens all the time like I'm out walking my ankle rolls I'm um, you know we were moving into our new home and carrying a couch and then my ankle rolls and I scream and you know like just dramatically fall on the ground and then I'm oh actually it's not that okay it's not that bad I can get up and keep walking and so I just don't know you know like it hurts and I just think maybe it's really bad and some, sometimes it's not sometimes it is but don't know I just scream anyway just make it really dramatic um, I mean, even two weeks ago, Father's Day, I was like outside in the car and look, we'd lost um, Anthony's present and I was trying to find it and I was like, oh, I know where it is. And I'm running inside and then splat in my Ugg boots all over the front of the, the porch and just rolled my ankle again. So it just, it happens all the time. And I realized I've actually started to develop a little bit of a fear around this. You know, I can literally think about my ankle rolling and like, like I can't tense up, I, I wince a little bit. I was watching um, this Lord of the Rings series on Prime. Anyone seen that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's really good. Um, and there's, you know, some pretty lively scenes in there with orcs and everything. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's fine. Just go watch it. No, nah, you don't need to. And, um, you know, some lively scenes in there. But the thing that really freaked me out the most is this little scene where this little guy who hangs out in the grass, he, he snaps his ankle really bad, right? And they zoom up on it and they show the ankle going like that. And, and like, I can see it in my mind right now. I, it's just, it's so much of this fear thing for me that I can like visualize, I can see it and I can just, I just freak out. I tense up, I get a little bit scared. And I didn't actually realize, I mean, now that I'm saying it, it seems pretty obvious that I've got an issue with this. But it wasn't until we had that moment, freedom in Christ, where God was kind of like, you know, you're kind of fearing that. You probably don't need to fear that, you know. Peace. Peace be still. And um, I would like to say that I'm completely all good, that I'm not fearing it anymore. But, um, you know, it's, it's a bit of a work in progress. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before where you've realised, oh, okay, this is a bit of an issue in my life. I'm fearing something or I'm you know, struggling with something and God kind of maybe brings it up to you. But I don't know, sometimes it goes like this and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm all good. You know, I don't need to worry about that anymore. God's freed me from that. I'm set free from fear and I'm set free from worry. But sometimes it doesn't. Maybe um, that's only happens to me, but sometimes I feel like, yeah, okay, things are brought up in my life, but I still tend to struggle with it. And what do we do as Christians when that happens? Because we can start to feel like maybe we're not really, you know, at our Christian level that we need to be. You know, why, why are we still fearing? Is there something wrong with me? 
Is, is God okay with it? Like, is, he, is he not proud of me because I've, I haven't dealt with this and I haven't conquered it? And I think maybe that could stem a little bit from what John says in John, 1 John 4. I'm going to read the context of this. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God, on the love God has for us. God is love. And this is um, a verse that Pastor Josh preached on last week. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world. We are like Jesus. This is the bit. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And I think sometimes we quote verse 18, you know, like perfect love casts out all fear. And that is true, obviously. It's biblical. It's there. But we need to understand the context of it because the context of this verse is actually talking about how we don't need to fear when we come before God because Jesus is in us and we are in Jesus. And so when God looks at us on that day of judgment, you know, He doesn't see us in our sins and our flaws and all the things that we've ever done wrong. He sees us as His Son. He sees us as Jesus. So therefore, we can come before God in confidence knowing that we're in Christ. And it's talking about that type of fear. We don't need to fear that. We don't need to fear God in that way. But it's not really talking about those other fears that can pop up in our lives. Of course, the Bible does talk a lot about general fear, like here in John 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I mean, you could preach a whole sermon just reading out the verses that say, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. We know that that is something that the Bible says. Do not be troubled or afraid. We don't, we don't need to fear. I'm, I hope you understand that this morning that we don't need to fear. When you have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords living inside of you, you know, you have the God of heavens fighting for you, caring for you, loving you. We do not need to fear. David phrases it so well, Psalm 118. The Lord is with me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? We do not need to fear. But what happens when we do? let's keep reading in in John 20. So Jesus had just come into the midst of his disciples, right? They'd they'd locked the doors for fear of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus walks through these walls of fear, you could call them, and he's in their midst. Um, And they had this amazing moment. And then we read in verse 24, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And then a whole week later, his disciples were in the house again. It's basically a bit like church. You know, they were there one Sunday. Now they're there the next Sunday. And this time, Thomas was at church. He was there. He was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Did you pick up on that? 
the doors were still locked, right? They had this amazing moment with Jesus. He literally breathed on them and said, you know, basically placed his Holy Spirit upon them and empowered them in a mighty way. And yet the week after, their doors were still locked. They were still fearing these Jewish leaders, even though Jesus had said, I, I'm with you, I'm sending you out, you know, peace be with you. They, their, their fear still remained. The doors were locked, yet again, Jesus made his way in. He walked right into a room of people who were still afraid. And what did he say? Peace be with you. There is no amount of fearing that can stop Jesus from appearing. God is not limited by our fear. I'm not saying just leave your doors unlocked at home, right? We live in Murray Bridge. Common sense is welcomed. But I'm also not saying that we should just submit to our fear and let it rule us or stop us or hinder us in any way. The point I'm actually trying to get across is that we can have fear and yet still move forward in faith. How? Because God doesn't leave us alone in our fear. Jesus comes into our fear. Even in fear, God is still with us. He can walk through the toughest of walls. And maybe you have so much fear. Maybe you're not even in the room this morning because, because of, of fear. Maybe you're watching online because of it. Maybe you have walls around your heart for fear of being hurt. Maybe you, you, you're worried about saying yes to an opportunity out of fear that you might have a mental breakdown, a panic attack, or you might just, you fear you might not be able to handle it. Sometimes our fear doesn't get completely eradicated. As I shared earlier about that thing I got going on with my ankles. I wish fear just went poof, you know, when we became a Christian. And sometimes it does. You know, people can testify to that miracle, I'm sure. But there are a whole bunch of other people walking a different miracle. One of finding peace in the face of fear. Jesus didn't only say, peace be with you to the disciples. In the same breath, he said in verse 21, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so am I sending you, right? Not to a room of people who are brave and bold and ready to preach the gospel, to a room of people who had locked the doors for fear of the people that God was sending them out to. He called them, he sent them to a room of people living in fear. Jesus sends them out to face their fear despite their fear. He calls them, he equips them with his Holy Spirit and calls them to do things that they could never do on their own. You know, this story reminded me a bit of Gideon. Gideon, his story is found in Judges 6, and some may know this guy. It's, it's actually quite hilarious how real and vocal, vocal and open and honest he is about his fear and anxiety and, um, and doubt. Gideon, God finds him when he's literally in this pit of fear. He was threshing wheat in a wine press, which is, I, I think it's like, you know, a hole in the ground. Yeah, there you go. Hole in the ground. Um, and Gideon was inside of it, threshing some wheat. And God comes and finds him. He's trying to hide from the Midianites, this army who was severely oppressing him and his people, the people of God, the Israelites. 
And God comes up to this man who is evidently fearing. And he says this in verse 12 of Judges 6. When, you, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. In the midst of Gideon's obvious fear, he calls him a mighty warrior. And maybe that's a word for you this morning. Maybe God's calling you a mighty warrior. You might think, oh, I'm not like that. I don't, I don't feel like that. God doesn't care. He calls you a mighty warrior. He called Gideon a mighty warrior. And Gideon, you know, in Gideon's style, he doubts what God says. And he basically tells God that he's not good at his job, that he's abandoned the people, blah, blah, blah. And then this is what God has to say to that in verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have, which probably wasn't much, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Key verse. Sounds very similar to what Jesus said to his disciples. Am I not sending you? This is his reply. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon said. Well, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Anyone feel like that? The Lord answered, I will be with you. And you, isn't it? Now, what happens next? You would think that Gideon would be jumping up and down saying, you know, at your service, Lord. But he doesn't. Instead, he actually asked God for a sign. He's like, oh, I don't even know if this is you talking to me, God. Is this really what you're saying? Is this really what you want me to do? All very relatable stuff. And, you know, God doesn't say to him, oh, Gideon, man, you're such hard work. Like, we haven't even started this thing. You're still in this little wine press, this hole in the ground, and you you're still, you know, you're just so much hard work. I'm not even going to deal with it. out of it. He doesn't. Instead, he answers Gideon by sending this like fire out of a rock. And Gideon's like, oh my goodness, this is what it says. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace, don't be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. After this point, God then asked Gideon to take some altars down. And what does he do? So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and of the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. Like the amount of fear, the amount of doubt, the amount of worry... Fear was very present in Gideon's life, yet he still obeyed God and God still used him despite the fear he carried. And honestly, it just continues like you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it because um, what happens next, the Midianite army decide to join forces with a whole bunch of other armies to create this mammoth army to attack the Israelites. And so God basically empowers Gideon to blow this trumpet and to rally a few more troops. And Gideon's doing well at this stage. You know, he's got this huge army of 32,000 people. You know, God used him to kind of call to arms all these people. But then we read um, in Judges 6 verse 36, Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, then... He asked God for another sign. 
just so he knew that he was doing the right thing. God answers a sign, but Gideon says again, then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test. And this is the whole fleece and the Jew. And, you know, God actually listens to Gideon and he continues to encourage him. He continues to empower him. He continues to to give him all this good vibes, right? All the positive affirmation he could want. And he's got this army of 32,000 people. You know, you'd think he'd be doing really well at this point. And then God asks him to whittle the army down from 32,000 people to 300 men. This would really freak Gideon out. And right here is the cherry on Gideon's fear cake. During that night, Judges 7, the Lord said to Gideon, Go up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack the camp, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. And I just find this so funny. God's basically like, okay, Gideon, if you're afraid to attack, Take Pura down to the camp. Next line. So Gideon took Pura down to the camp. He's basically like, I'm shaking in my boots. I need every little bit of encouragement I can get. God's like, hey, if you want to just, and he's like, yep, I'm going. I'm going down. I'm going to get the encouragement I need. And he did. He goes down with Pura. He gets encouraged, so encouraged that he gets up, rallies the 300 guys together, starts shouting and carrying on. They run down. They completely win this battle which looked like they should absolutely not have won and they defeat the enemy army. God used Gideon, right? I think I need to say that again. God used Gideon. Gideon to me is the symbol of fear and doubt and anxiety. But God used him. Despite his fear, despite the doubt, despite his clear lack of grit, God showed up and Gideon didn't give up. Read it yourself in Judges, like it is one of the most amazing victories in in the Bible and it was a partnership of God and Gideon. I just love that God isn't put off by our fear or doubt or anxiety. I think we get put off by our fear and our doubt and our anxiety. When we're feeling like that, we can really believe it and we can think that we can't do whatever we're called to do but that is not how God works he doesn't get scared or put off when we're doubting or fearing remember what we learned from John there is no amount of fearing that can stop Jesus from appearing he just keeps showing up he just keeps empowering us no matter how many locks we put on that door he just keeps walking through those walls Maybe you're like Gideon all those disciples in some way. Maybe you fear rejection or pain. You might fear social interaction, losing your salvation or losing a loved one. You might fear social interactions or failure or embarrassment, not being loved. You might fear the future, disapproval, making the wrong decisions, marriage breakdown, financial problems. And I pray that every fear in your life leaves and never returns in Jesus' name. 
But for all of us out there who probably have some fears popping up now and again in our lives, coming face to face with fear, know that Jesus is in the room. Know that he never leaves you. Know that he is always for you. Know that he is the answer to all our fears. Know that nothing separates you from him. Like Romans 8, I'm convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No fear, no pain, no loss, no failure, no embarrassment, no disapproval, no wrong decision, no problem separates you from God. It's okay to fear. God isn't insecure. He knows that you are human. He just wants you to bring your fear and your doubt and your life to Him and watch Him make something beautiful. Gideon feared. Gideon doubted yet. Gideon triumphed in the face of his fear and doubt. How? Simply because God was with him. He was in the room. And I love that the whole word of God is filled with these real life people who had issues and hang-ups and struggles that God chose to use and empower anyway. Because I don't know about you, but I know I've got some issues and I've got some hang-ups and I've got some problems. But it's just so amazing to know that God will still use me anyway, that He will still use you anyway, that He loves you and empowers you, no matter what we've got going on. One of the disciples sure had his fair share of hang-ups. You might have heard of doubting Thomas, people like to refer him by. And that's um, in John 20. So we're going to keep reading that scripture for this morning. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. This is once he's in the room for the second time. Reach out your hand and put it into my sight. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, just a thought. I'm sure it must have helped someone somewhere out there in the world to read what happened with Thomas and Jesus. You know, I can just imagine that there would be someone being like, you know, they saw Jesus, but did anyone actually physically touch him? Did anyone actually, you know, like put their hand in his side and their finger in his hands and know that it wasn't fake, that it wasn't a hoax, that it was actually real? And it's like, yes, you know, Tom, there was this one guy, his name is Thomas, and he did, he did doubt. He, he refused to believe until he touched Jesus, until he saw him. He doubted, yeah, but at least he was open and honest about it. At least he actually brought it up, right? At least he actually, you know, spoke it out. So now that we can benefit from it, I think that maybe his openness about his unbelief and then his acceptance of belief once he encountered the risen Jesus, maybe that's helped a person or two. I think it's good that Thomas didn't hide the fact that he was struggling to believe because we can hear the response of Jesus, which is, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, stop doubting and believe. And this isn't a tell-off, by the way. Jesus didn't tell Thomas off. He didn't shame him. He didn't even question where he was the other Sunday. Like I said, it was kind of like church. He wasn't like, Thomas, 
If you were here last Sunday, you would have seen me and you wouldn't have had to like spend this whole week freaking out. You could have just come to church like a good boy. And so, no, I'm not going to show you the scars. Like it's my body. Get away. You know, I'm offended. You know, he, he didn't say anything like that. He just said, went up to Thomas and said, here I am. You know, here I am. He intimately and openly loved Thomas. He didn't reject him and push him away. We're allowed to doubt. You know what? If you do doubt, that's okay. Just bring it before Jesus. Tell him. Tell him you're struggling. Tell him you're, you don't even know if he's real. Tell him that you, you, you can't believe it right now. And just listen to what he has to say. Because I think he'll probably have a similar, similar reaction to what he did around Thomas where he says, here I am. I'm right before you. You know, stop doubting and believe. It's a display of love, what Jesus did to Thomas. It's okay to fear. It's okay to doubt. God isn't insecure. He knows we're human. He just wants us to bring our fears and our doubts before him. You know, the Great Commission, something we we quote a lot in church, God tells us to go out and make disciples of all nations. Do you know the context of that? This is crazy. All right, let's read it. Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. What does it say? But some doubted, right? Have you ever read that? Do you know that's there? They worshipped him. The 11, the ones who were with Jesus, they knew him the best. The ones who were probably meant to immediately just believe him and fall down on their knees. and Some Some did, but some doubted. And this is the context of the Great Commission. When Jesus calls them out, he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Am I not sending you, he says to Gideon. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus didn't say that to a room full of people who are all like fired up and just like, yes, you know, nothing can stop me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He said that to a room full of people who are human, who are, you know, a little bit excited. Some were a little bit scared. Some believed and some doubted. He called them. Do you know how human this is? Sometimes I think we can feel, oh, I've got too many issues. I've got too many hang-ups. I fear this. I've got anxiety. I've got depression. I I can't move forward. God chooses you. There is no fear. There is no doubt, anxiety or depression that limits God, that stops God from moving, from loving you, from using you, from calling you and sending you out. In fact, it seems like it's a prerequisite. Honestly, having a little bit of fear, having a little bit of doubt, having a little bit of human struggle genuinely seems like a prerequisite to actually voice that out and say, God, I'm struggling. I don't know why you'd want to use me. Do you know what's in my past? That seems like a prerequisite for God to say, all right, I'm calling you. All right, I'm anointing you. All right, I'm pouring my spirit out upon you and I'm sending you out to your family, to your friends, to your workplace. You know, there is nothing that limits God. There is no wall too thick 
to stop God from walking into your life. There is no sin too big to stop Jesus from walking into your life. All He needed to do, all He's asking is just for us to be open and honest before Him. Just to say, I'm struggling, I'm doubting, I'm, I'm sinning, I'm, whatever it is, just to bring that before our Heavenly Father and watch His response. It will blow your mind. It's okay to doubt. God accepts you and loves you in your doubt. But God doesn't want to leave you in that place of doubting. If you let Him, He wants to walk into the room of your heart and show you just how good and how loving and just how real He is. Jesus says to finish off his conversation with Thomas in verse 29 of John 20, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Do you know that's for you? There is a blessing for those who believe the Bible. There is a blessing for those who believe what God said, what is written in the Word of God, who choose to believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died and rose again and is coming back again. There is a blessing. Do you believe? To finish off John 20, John writes, and most translations will title this, the purpose of John's gospel or the purpose of this book. And it says, John writes, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But... These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. What is the point of all of John? It's so that we may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's so that people may come to faith. It's so that people may realise that they need Him and that we can come to Him with all our issues and our hang-ups and give our lives to Him and see Him do the miraculous, see Him do the marvellous in our lives that we may believe. And by believing, we will have eternal life in Jesus Christ. It's okay to doubt. We're human. God knows it. He's not insecure about it. But ultimately, through bringing our doubts to God, He wants us to move from a place of doubt to a place of belief. Jesus will walk through even the toughest of walls to reach us, for us to know this truth. The greatest example of this, this is the last scripture for today. In Matthew 28, this is Matthew's version of John 20. After Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Then the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here where He lay. Notice the order in which things happened. They arrived. The tomb was sealed with a 
great big rock. The angel rolls that rock away. Jesus wasn't standing in the tomb being like, oh, thank goodness you're here so I can walk out of this tomb. Jesus wasn't there. The first walls that He ever walked through was the walls of the tomb. And if the walls of a tomb, if the walls of death are not strong enough to stop Jesus, what makes us think that walls around our life of fear or sin or doubt or our past are big enough for Jesus? There is nothing that can stop Jesus from reaching us, not even death itself, not even the walls of a tomb. Jesus just, like it's nothing, He just walks through. No matter what's going on in your past, like it's nothing, He just walks through to reach you, to call you and to empower you as He said to Gideon, as He said to the disciples, am I not sending you? Am I not calling you to this life, life abundant and life eternal? There is no other way to eternal life but through Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose again and ascended to the heavens. Simply being good enough is not the answer. And man, I am glad that is the case. Aren't you? You know, we don't need to try and climb our way up to the heavens. Jesus came down to us to meet us where we're at to die on the cross for us because we know and He knows that we can never make it ourselves, that we desperately need His saving grace. We desperately need His mercy every day. And so He came, He died, He rose again and He walked through that wall of the tomb. Then He walked through the wall of fear to get to the disciples, not once, but twice. He speaks, peace be with you. Am I not sending you? Even through doubt, even through fear, even through sin, Jesus is there. Jesus is here. Will you stand with me this morning? There is no amount of fearing that can stop Jesus from appearing. It's okay to fear. It's okay to doubt. God isn't insecure. He knows that we are human. He wants us to bring our fears and our doubts to Him. He accepts you and He loves you in your doubt and your fear and your sin. But ultimately, God doesn't want to leave us in that place. He wants to lead us. Gideon, Thomas and the disciples were not afraid of their issues. You know, I wouldn't be able to share them today if they weren't open and honest with each other and with God about what they were genuinely feeling. And look, it wasn't super pretty. It wasn't super spiritual. It wasn't like, oh, I'm awesome. You know, I know why you came and called me because look at me. (laughs) I should be called by you, obviously. It wasn't any of that. It was, are you sure? I don't feel like I'm good enough. There's all these things that's happened in my past. And God, are you really even there? Is it actually even you that's speaking to me? They were open and they were honest and they were real. And This is what God calls us to it, a lifelong, ongoing conversation and relationship with Him where we're beautifully open and honest. So this morning, maybe you've already started that conversation with God. Maybe you've paused it. Either way, we're going to get it started going again by talking with God, being open and honest with Him. What are you fearing? What are you doubting? What are you worried about? 
For all those struggling with fear and anxiety, I want to pray with you. So if everyone can just close their eyes around this place and if there's these things that you're just, you're just really fearing, maybe it is something financial, maybe it is relational, it could be spiritual or physical, some type of pain or illness, worry of losing a loved one, whatever it is, if you've got fear, let's pray together. Let's just bring it before God. Let's just tell Him, our Heavenly Father. Let's tell Him. So with all looking around, let's just reach our hands out in front of us and just decide, all right, I'm just going to be open. I'm going to be honest. And I'm going to bring this before my Heavenly Father. So God, right now, we do. We bring our fears to You. I mean, You already know them and You already love us anyway. I just thank You for that. But God, we do ask right now over every fear, over every situation that might be rolling through someone's mind right now, I just pray that you will speak peace, be still. Peace, peace, my peace I give you. Lord, I pray let that peace reign in our hearts and our lives. But Lord, I pray for a knowledge as well that that fear doesn't limit you and it doesn't need to limit us, Lord. I pray for boldness. I pray for courage. I pray for strength that only comes from you in these situations, Lord, for us to rise up in the face of fear, despite the fear, to do all that you have called us to do. Lord, this is an ongoing conversation with you. And so we bring it before you. Even if you want to right now, just kind of whisper it out loud. I bring this fear before you. Whatever it might be, I bring this fear before you. Have your way with me. Have your way in this fear. We welcome you into this place of fear. But ultimately, Lord, we pray that those walls of fear do not remain. That instead your walls, walls of fire, that you will become that walls in that place instead, Lord Jesus. That we will trust you and love you for all the days of our life, Lord. We speak peace in Jesus' mighty name. Peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And for all those struggling with doubt, maybe you've been in a place where you're not sure that God's even real. You're not sure if you're just praying into thin air. You know, is He, is he there? Does He love you? Is He with you? Is He for you? If you're struggling with doubt, Again, with every eye closed, let's reach out our hands and bring that before God. As I said, He already knows it. But let's see what He has to say. Father God, right now as we stretch our hands out before You, will You, as You did with Thomas, show Yourself to us. Thank You, Jesus, that You have revealed Yourself to us on the cross. But I pray for every individual who's reaching out to You, Lord. I pray that You reach out to them and that they will be able to see in some sense You, that You are real, that You love them, that You are with them, that You are for them, Lord. I thank You for the openness and the honesty and I thank You, Lord, that it doesn't scare You away, that You lean into us, that You love us and that You reveal Yourself to us. And Father, I thank You that You also call us. And I pray right now for every person who is in that place of doubt, I pray that they will sense your calling on their life, that you are calling them, them, 
to great things, Lord Jesus. Oh, we thank You. We thank You for Your love and Your grace and Your peace and Your patience with us. We love You so much, Jesus. I thank You for Your love and Your grace in Jesus' mighty Name. And lastly, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never made that decision to step from that place of unbelief into that place of belief, and this morning you're like, wow, I think I want to. I want to invite Jesus into my life. I do believe that He is the Son of God, that He died and He rose again. And this morning, if you want to give your life to Him, become a Christian, become one of His very own children, Again, no one looking around. If you want to raise your hand up, I want to pray with you as well. If you want to make that decision this morning. Those on the live stream as well. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray for everyone right now who is making that decision to move from unbelief to belief. Lord, it is the best decision of their life. God, I thank you that this is just the beginning of that journey, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name for what you're going to do in their lives. Amen. Amen. If you did make that decision, we'd love to pray with you and you can go see the prayer team at the back. But as I've been saying, it's an ongoing conversation. And so I think even as we're we're worshipping together, let's bring these things before God. Let's allow Him to minister to us, to speak to us and meet us right where we're at. Thank you, team. Thank you for joining us for our Lifehouse Sunday service. We hope that you enjoyed the message. If you wish to respond today, please go to life.house and click on My Response. There you can share a prayer request or let our team know that you made a decision to follow Jesus. We love that you're online with us, but we really want to see you here with us in person in the flesh, 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. Can't wait to see you.